Hey, this is Tracy Ricks Foster, host of the most powerful 30 minutes of your day. The spiritual musings of a brown girl coming right up. Hey everyone, I hope that you're having a fantastic, fantastic day. And if not, I hope that this beautiful, beautiful broadcast will put you in the mood and help bring you out of whatever funk you may be in. I hope that listening to my voice and participating spiritually in this conversation that we are we are about to have. I hope that it motivates you and inspires you and encourages you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of the spiritual musings of a brown girl. And who's that brown girl? That will be me. <laughs> I'm Tracy Riggs Foster. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the most powerful 30 minutes of your life. How about that? Okay, how about the beginning, the first 30 powerful minutes to a powerful beginning of your day or the ending of your day or whatever it is that you have in store for yourself, this beautiful, beautiful day. I want to be a part of it. Let me come into your world and give you a boost, give you something to think about. In fact, Give you something to meditate on and to talk about with your friends and family. Welcome to the spiritual musings of a brown girl with Tracy Ricks Foster. I asked in previous weeks that if you had any questions that you would like to uh, would like for me to address or discuss during um, an episode of uh, the spiritual musings of a brown girl and I received a lot of feedback. Thank you so much for listening and I really appreciate it. Um, a previous episode I talked about or I read a letter from a listener that was about being in love with a former cult member and that was a very interesting episode and I tried to address a lot of I tried to honestly address the email that I received and I would love for you to go back and listen to that because what I'm going to get into right now is maybe part two I'm going to go in a little deeper and um, listener discretion is advised now the email that I received was from a young woman who was in a relationship, who, who is in a relationship with someone who was an active or an inactive Jehovah's Witness. And um, she had, it, while having reservations about um, her partner's religious stance and belief system she did not have any reservations about loving her partner which is wonderful 
And I brought up a number of questions that she will have to ask her partner when it comes to how he feels about his former religion, his inactive status, how does he see himself moving in the world that he is a part of right now, being a semi-former Jehovah's Witness. And the email talked about how he planned to one day rejoin the religion. And in that, um, in my answer or reply response to her email, I suggested that she find out two things. The first thing was to find out if he is a baptized Jehovah's Witness. Because if he's a baptized Jehovah's Witness, then when he decides to become active again as a Jehovah's Witness, he will have to go before um, a group of elders, which is called a judicial committee. And that judicial committee would sit there and listen to his uh, confession of sins and repentance of those sins. And then they will decide whether or not to accept him back with restrictions or to accept him back after they officially punish him by disfellowshipping him. Then he will have to pay sort of a penance, which is going to take time in order to get back in the good graces of the judicial committee and then he would be reinstated. So she had a series of questions that I proposed that she put in front of her fiance because if he plans on going back to the religion, these are the steps that he would have to more than likely take. And the consequences of his actions in becoming involved with a non-Jehovah's Witness participating in what they call premarital sex or fornication and subsequently having a child, that's considered a sin, a grouping of sins. And those are called disfellowshipping sins as well. So depending on whether or not the elders are in a forgiving mood, depending on whether or not they want to believe that he's remorseful or repentant or has shown repentance, there's a whole plethora of things that goes into the judicial committee deciding whether or not uh, a sinner a Jehovah's Witness who has fallen, what standing they will attain within the organization. And so I also said in that particular episode that I would get into disfellowshipping 
and exactly what that is because that's a whole different scene that has to be discussed and broken down so that people who are not Jehovah's Witnesses can understand exactly what disfellowshipping means and uh, the components of it and how those that you love who are Jehovah's Witnesses and become disfellowship with their emotional or psychological um, what the toll of being disfellowshipped, what effects it can have on their emotional well-being, their psychological well-being. And it's very important that people understand that so you know how to, how to love them and, and understand, have a, a sense of empathy, perhaps a mix of sympathy with dealing with that person because the fallout from being disfellowshipped uh, from the Jehovah's Witnesses organization is hefty. The fallout is massive and can and does take a toll on that individual. Excuse me. Um, what is disfellowshipping? Disfellowshipping is also called excommunication and excommunication is a process of removing a person from the membership the membership of a church or religious organization because of not meeting their requirements or the membership requirements and what that also means is that depending on the religious institution or the, or the organization, there may be a set of laws, bylaws, rules, regulations that acknowledges or that puts that stamp of you're a member upon that individual who is who wants to become or becomes a member of that organization. And when you're dealing with um, a religious organization, um, certain ones in particular, such as the Seventh-day Adventists, um, perhaps the, um, the Adventists in general, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, the um, Christian Fundamentalists, Scientology, all of them have a set of rules and regulations that you have to, and principles that you have to abide by. And if you fail to meet those requirements, you can be excommunicated from the organization. Now, excommunication can mean the one, can mean one of two things. You can be just taken off the membership roles of that organization, or you can find yourself in a situation where you're not only taken off the membership roles, but you are also shunned. Which means, shunning means that your entire church or religious community turns their back on you. Turns their backs on you. And you're basically shut out or silenced from the organization for whatever amount of time that they may choose. It's up to them. If you petition to come back, 
you know, that's a situation that's still up to them. And um, if you meet that requirement, their requirements for returning to the institution, then you can be reinstated or put back onto the membership roles and become an active member again. But with some religious institutions, when you are excommunicated, disfellowshipped or shunned, it's a little bit more insidious than being removed from the membership roles and you're able to go about your life and just get on with it. It's a little bit more insidious than that. And when it comes to shunning, it's a little bit more deeper than the religious community turning their backs upon you. What Jehovah's Witnesses do and what um, some Christian fundamentalist groups do as well and Scientologists is that when you join these organizations, you're basically told that this organization is going to become your everything. They're going to become your family, your spiritual advisor, your friends. Everything is tied up into this religion. And when you fail to meet the requirements of being a member, and how do you fail? Yeah, you can fail in many ways. There are many, <laughs> there are many ways that you can find yourself on the opposite side of being one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, there's a whole, there's a book that only the elders of Jehovah's Witnesses receive and it's called uh, Shepherding the Flock or something of that nature. And Jehovah's Witnesses do not receive this book, okay, when they, be, when they become baptized and an official member or an official active Jehovah's Witness. They do not get this secret book, which is crazy because shouldn't you be aware of the things that you can become excommunicated for or disfellowship for? Shouldn't you be aware of those things before you become a member or, you know, when you're contemplating becoming a member or even after becoming a member? Shouldn't you be aware of what those bylaws are, those rules and regulations and principles? See, what Jehovah's Witnesses do, they, they just say to you that, well, you really don't know. <laughs> when you get when you become a Jehovah's Witness, they tell you, well, in order to become a Jehovah's Witness, you need to understand the Bible, the Bible principles. You need to accept the fact that there's a faithful and discreet slave channel that goes directly to God and that the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses are the principal tool and source that that Jehovah, that God uses to communicate to the one and only true religion on the earth. That is basically what you are told and what you know. You don't know really. Oh, and I'll say this too. You also know that these, these things that I'm getting ready to, to enumerate to you, these are things that could possibly get you in trouble. The first thing is fornication, premarital sex. That can get you possibly kicked out of Jehovah's Witnesses. 
the organization. What else can get you kicked out? Another thing, taking blood, receiving blood transfusions, that could possibly have you disfellowship from the organization. Another thing that could get you possibly disfellowship from the organization is committing adultery. That's wrapped up in a whole a whole little section onto itself, but just know that sleeping with someone else's husband or wife can get you in trouble. And while we're speaking about that, becoming a homosexual or a lesbian, lesbian, transgender, any of those things that fall within the rainbow, the LGBTQI community, if you become one of those things, guess what? You will be disfellowshipped. In that list, there are other things that you could be disfellowshipped for that they sort of get into while you're one of, while you are one of Jehovah's Witnesses through their publications such as the Watchtower. You can be disfellowshipped for having a raging porno habit. <laughs> you can get disfellowshipped for um, heavy petting someone. You know, you can get disfellowshipped for that. You can get disfellowshipped for speaking out against the organization, which means you can love being one of Jehovah's Witnesses and love everything that Jehovah's Witnesses stand for and believe that Jehovah's Witnesses is the one and only true religion on this planet. However, if you decide that you want to say that you don't agree with some of the doctrines and teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses, that can find you kicked out the organization. But in the secret book that the elders have, there are other things that you can be disfellowshipped or excommunicated for that you should know as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, but you don't. So there it is. Now, the thing about Jehovah's Witnesses, and I can speak on this because I am an inactive Jehovah's Witness. I consider myself to be a former Jehovah's Witness. The reason why, the reason I speak on this is because I have also been a, dis, a disfellowship Jehovah's Witness. And I was disfellowship for uh, repeatedly, <laughs> repeatedly engaging in premarital sex. And I also exercise my right to reproductive services that I believed I, as I said, I had the right to make decisions for certain circumstances regarding my reproductive health. So because I also have the attitude that it's my right to do so, I was disfellowship because of my non-repentant attitude. And also because I suppose I made a practice out of, you know, uh, having sex with my my soon to be husband. And I also moved in with him. <laughs> we were living together for a while before we actually became married. So um, I can speak on this because I know what it is and I've been through it. If you have experiences with being excommunicated from Scientology or any of the Adventist groups or Christian fundamentalists, 
uh, the Christian Fundamentalist Church, please feel free to share to share your experiences. But my experiences are coming solely from that as being um, uh, this fellowship Jehovah's Witness. So the thing about Jehovah's Witnesses, which is very unique and um, to them, and also kind of unique to Christian fundamentalists and Adventists as well. I don't know if they practice it as strictly as Jehovah's Witnesses do, but you know, um, I don't know. So I would have to, um, someone would have to inform me on that. But the unique thing about Jehovah's Witnesses is that when you become a Jehovah's Witness, you X out people who are not Jehovah's Witnesses in your world. So if you have family members who are not Jehovah's Witnesses, you can't associate with them anymore. Okay. Those, that relationship that you have with them, you have to sever it. Um, you need to sever ties with anyone who is not a Jehovah's Witness. And after you do that, that means Jehovah's Witnesses and that immediate congregation that you are a part of becomes your family. So since Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in celebrating holidays, you will not be going around your family for Christmas, for Thanksgiving, for Easter, none of those. Memorial Day, that either. Mother's Day, no. Father's Day, no. Any holiday, you won't be celebrating. Therefore, you won't be hanging around your family at all. They're not going to be your friends. Speaking of friends, any friendships that you had with people who are not Jehovah's Witnesses, once you become one or decide, make that decision to become a Jehovah's Witness, guess what? You got to kiss all those friendships goodbye. So everything, everything that you have and everything that you are is, 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 is centrally located in the local congregation that you are a part of. Period. No exceptions to that. If you are a person who is um, you you are in gainfully employed, you're out here in the workforce and um, you may be asked to do certain things with your uh, co-workers. No, you can't do it when you're one of those witnesses because that is like fostering a relationship outside of being a Jehovah's Witness outside of your local congregation of which you are involved. Are you getting the picture? So with that, what I'm saying is that Jehovah's Witnesses become your everything. You're tuned in, tapped in entirely to the organization, period. So if you fuck up, <laughs> let, me, let me just be as blunt as I can. If you fuck up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses and you do whatever those things that I enumerated, you, you, you do those things and you tell the judicial community of elders that you have partaken in any of those sins that I've laid out. And then plus the sins that's in that secret book I was telling you about. If you are found guilty of those things. You are disfellowshipped or excommunicated from the organization. How does that affect you? What does that mean? That means that not only are you not, not only are you no longer a member of the organization, you're out here on your own. 
because you don't have any relationships or network of people associated with you that can help you because you severed all of those relationships. So when you become disfellowship from Jehovah's Witnesses, you're out here, you're caught out here by yourself. You may say, how is that possible? It's possible because when you were disfellowshipped from the Jehovah's Witnesses organization, everybody stops talking to you and they will treat you as if you are dead. They will treat you as if you no longer exist. So relationships that you may have fostered for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, a lifetime. If you fuck up and get the fellowship, those relationships never existed. And that's the way it is. Those people that you, you threw your family overboard for will treat you as if you never existed. You will not get phone calls from them. You will not be visited by them. They will not talk to you. If they see you in the, in the store, in a grocery store, they will look through you, past you, probably be the path to get away from you to keep from giving or establishing any type of eye contact with you. They will not speak to you. If you have a relative, if you have a family member, and here's, here's the other part of this too, that's really crazy, is that many Jehovah's Witnesses are born into the organization, which means that they've had generations of Jehovah's Witnesses in their family. So all they know is the religion. So when you are a person who was born in to being a Jehovah's Witness and you become a, you become disfellowship. What that means is that you lose your family. You lose your friends. So just like a person who who uh, becomes an active Jehovah's Witness, you know, as an adult and they cut off everybody. And when they become disfellowship, you know, they lose that community. Well, they can reestablish relationships with their family members or with their friends or people who were non-Jehovah's Witnesses. They can actively do that. Okay? It takes time, but it can happen. People who are born into the religion and they fuck up and become disfellowship. They lose literally everything their mother would stop talking to them their father would stop talking to them their sisters their brothers would stop talking to them their grandparents would stop talking to them people that they had known since they were babies will stop talking to them the whole if 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 they are 20 30 40 50 years of age they probably have come in contact with hundreds of Jehovah's Witnesses who know them and guess what that entire that entire system will collapse on top of them. They'll have nobody. Because your mother, your father, your brother, your sisters, your grandparents, your uncles, anyone who is a Jehovah's Witness who is a family member, they are told by 
the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses, they are told to not even answer your phone call. So something is happening to you. According to Jehovah's Witnesses, if you call your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister on the phone, they cannot answer the phone. That's how deep it is. So disfellowshipping is a big deal. And that's why you have a lot of people, especially young people who are born into Jehovah's Witnesses. That's why you have a lot of them who lives with Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses like to call a double life. Because they are afraid. They're scared. They're scared of being their authentic selves, totally, because they know that if they are and if they do, what the risk is, and the risk is high. Leaving everything that you know and you have come to know and love behind or being forced to. And Jehovah's Witnesses would tell you, well, this is scriptural. The Bible says to do this. The Bible says in whatever scripture that is in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, somewhere in there, they will tell you that the Bible says that when you have someone in the congregation that is fucking up, that it's okay to kick them out. They'll tell you that it's scriptural. But what they also fail to tell you is that this particular doctrine on disfellowshipping has evolved so many times during the history of Jehovah's Witnesses to fit certain purposes. That is really not scriptural. Why is it not scriptural? It's not scriptural, number one, because God doesn't operate like that. And if you want to use the Bible as a whole against Jehovah's Witnesses and the doctrine of disfellowshipping, the scriptural doctrine of disfellowshipping, all you need to say is just simply this. There's nowhere in the Bible where Jehovah has stopped talking to people and turned his back on people. The Bible is a history a so-called history of the Jewish nation. And even though throughout the Bible, the Jews and God have had, you know, gone through strained relationships with one another, God never stopped talking to them. God never turned his back on them. Even when they fucked up. God never turned his back on his people. He still helped them. According to the Bible. So that takes the whole disfellowshipping doctrine. And the, the belief that is based upon the Bible. That turns it all upside down. 
So either it's going to be a situation where we are excommunicating people or disfellowshipping people because they, you know, they just did not, they just did not, you know, meet the standards and the requirements of being a Jehovah's Witness. Okay, do that. Because every organization has the right to do so. Every organization or company or corporation has the right to sever ties and end relationships with people if they don't meet their standards or meet the requirements set forth to become a member or an employee of that institution. Religious, secular, commercial, otherwise. But when you sit back and say that not only are we kicking you out, but you can no longer have a relationship with the people that you once cultivated a relationship with, that's a problem. Because for one thing, we live in a country where we have freedoms. That's number one. Number two, you cannot sit there and tell parents that they have to sever ties with their own offspring because an organization says it says or deems it to be or says this is what you need to do. That's wrong. That's immoral. Because number three, when you cut people off from their lifelines, what you do is you create a storm. You create a situation where a person has to either sink or swim emotionally, psychologically. Some people are not prepared for that. We all are, are a part of a community. We all need some type of network. We all have support, need support. So when you disfellowship a person from a religious family, and then you tell that religious family to completely ghost the person that they love, what you have done to the person who is disfellowshipped is you have put them in a situation where they will be experiencing emotional trauma or distress. And that emotional trauma or distress from being caught out here by yourself and alone can lead to a deep depression. And that depression can lead to suicidal thoughts and tendencies. Do we even know how many disfellowship Jehovah's Witnesses attempt suicide in this country of the United States alone? Do we know how many disfellowship Jehovah's Witnesses actually commit suicide each year 
Jehovah's Witnesses have something that they call the yearbook where they they um, sit back and give you the statistics of how many how many Bible studies were conducted, how many people were baptized, how many people uh, partook in the memorial emblems for the particular year. They have a whole lot of stats, but the one stat you will not find, you will not find, well, you might find the statistic on how many people were disfellowshipped for that year, maybe. But what you won't find is how many people committed suicide behind being disfellowshipped. What you will not find is a comprehensive study done by Jehovah's Witnesses on the psychological effects of disfellowshipping, of shunning itself. That's something that you won't find. Because while disfellowshipping can be and is a legal tool that can be used without any ramifications. The practice of shunning is a whole different situation. So when you are a Jehovah's Witness and you're being shunned what does that mean? What does that feel like? What does that look like? How do you survive it? Can you survive a disfellowshipping? My answer to that is yes, you can. And in part two of this episode of fellowshipping or excommunicating, is it a is it a practice that's good for your spiritual health? I'm going to get into that discussion as well. And we'll get into why the way Scientologists, Christian fundamentalists, Jehovah's Witnesses, and others, why the practice of shunning is detrimental to the health and well-being of former members of those organizations. So thank you so much for tuning in this week to the Spiritual Musings of a Brown Girl. This is Tracy Ricks Foster. I'll see you next time.